This is the Everything F1 podcast. Today, we review the Monza Grand Prix. Plus, we've got two special guests, Chris McCarthy and Fabian Woolwend. We are Everything F1, driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! As the Stafford goes into turn one and goes past the Mercedes! has gone from second in the race. Try again this time on the inside of Continental. Verstappen is out of the race and that's a big crash into Cops. Ocon wins the Hungarian Grand Prix. Russell is still on provisional pole. This time Verstappen and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo. Welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. Wow, we've got a busy episode to talk to you through. Talk you through. We've had an eventful weekend in Monza with lots to chat about. And of course, we've got things like champions to talk about. Two champions from two series that support Formula One too. So loads and loads to chat about tonight. Today, we're going to be chatting with my team, with Coops from my team. Hi, Coops. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? How's your bowl of cereal? It wasn't. It was pasta. Thanks very oh, much. Oh, okay. It looked like a bowl of cereal. Okay. How's your bowl of pasta? It was very nice. Yes, I was a wee bit late in from work, so I was standing over a watched pot of pasta that was not boiling. So yeah, I had to quickly shovel that down while we were getting organised. It was it. You got a bit in your beard. That, that's for later. It's fine. <laughs> We've also got alongside us today, Emma. Hi, Emma. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Your look of complete dismay at the conversation that we've just had to me and Coops. <laughs> What, did you not like pasta? <laughs> what have you been up to this week, Emma? Just working. It's a long week. I'm tired. Ah, okay. Well, we'll try not to keep you too long then. But also alongside us, and if you're watching on the Facebook stream, I'm sure you can recognise the face because we've had him on a few times now. It's Chris McCarthy. Hi, Chris. How are you? Yes, hello. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for having me back. Really good to be back after a great weekend at Monza, as you said. Two champions crowned in the feeder series and and a pretty good race, I think, at, at the top as well in Formula One. So, yeah, overall, a really good weekend. Yeah, Monza's always a great track to go to. It always delivers some kind of spectacle. And certainly, we're, we're not light on spectacle this weekend. No, no I mean, like, there's always a, a big story coming out. I think this weekend, it didn't quite come for the win. It came down a little bit further down the top 10. I think that's where the, the big story came and rightly he was driver of the day. Yeah. Uh, but, but overall, there, there were some some brilliant stories, wasn't there, there overall. So I, I think it was a, it, it didn't quite end the way everyone wanted it to, but, but overall, I think it was a, it was a really good race and, and a great weekend. Flashbacks of Abu Dhabi. That's what we should call this episode. <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> something, yeah. something along those lines, definitely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so it was, well, let's, let's get into the full review then. Max Verstappen was the eventual winner of the Monza Grand Prix. He started in seventh and worked his way up to that top step, the podium. Um, it did look at various points like he could maybe be challenged towards the end of the race, and that was put paid to by the safety car that came out a few laps towards the end. So we're going to have a massive discussion about this because there's loads of opinions floating around the internet. We'll go to... Chris, our guest first, though. Max Verstappen, a great win. Again, they're making that gap even larger and more impossible to reach every single race. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's on to, to break the record, isn't he? At the moment, for the most wins in a season, he's got quite a few races left to, to do it. The, the record held by Schumacher. And, and yeah, it was a very good driver. I think he did, did you know, most of the work at the, at the start of the race, didn't he? Did what yeah. he, he had to do, really cleared off the cleared off most of the drivers straight away and then left the left the main target, if you like, for the rest of the race. And uh, yeah, strategy-wise, the team, I think, did a really good job as well. But overall, I think once it, once he got to the front, he, he drove a very good race, you know, was very calculated. And I think was, like he always is, uh, just took control from, from the front. And even if I, you know, if the race were to get going again, he was in a position where it, he would he looked very, very hard to beat, didn't he? So, uh, you know, it, if, even if we were left with a one or two lap shootout, it would have been hard to have, you know, bet against him. And I think that's uh, something we're going to be saying a lot this season because it, with the same with Zanvoort, he was in the, he was on the other side. Uh, and again, he, he managed, him and his team managed strategy-wise to, mm-hmm. to, to get through to the front, something he did on track as well. Uh, and he seems to be doing the same all the time. So uh, yeah, another fantastic drive from him. Uh, in a league of one, it's a shame it ended under the safety car. Now we've got to talk about safety car finishes because we would be, well, we daft not to really, because that's all that's been the talk of the internet with lots of different opinions floating around. So we'll go to Coops first. Coops, it's it finished under the safety car. Obviously, we don't like to see that. However, processes were followed, perhaps the way they haven't previously been followed, and it had to end that way due to the circumstances. Yeah, the rules are there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, uh, as Lewis Hamilton said, there was only one time in the history of Formula One the rules haven't been followed. So it still stings. Just a bit. I mean, yeah. There was a lot of small, minor things that conspired against it. There was eight laps from when the McLaren car failed and then they couldn't get it. It was stuck in gear, so they couldn't press the button to roll it back, which would have meant it was a couple of laps behind the safety car. Mm-hmm. The safety car came out and didn't catch up to, or came out, when Verstappen was nowhere near, then Verstappen went straight into the pit. So it ended up sitting with George behind it for quite a while, then it got sorted. And by the time they kind of straightened everything out, everybody mm. was kind of spread around the track, they ran out of time. Uh, the FIA said that the red flag wasn't flown because the incident was not significant enough to warrant a red flag. So it's fine, I mean, I get that. The car had a, a broken engine, it wasn't barriers needing replaced, there wasn't that debris over the track. So it's just one of those things that meant that it ended. And I suppose you've got to kind of applaud Formula One because they didn't try to shoehorn a race into a situation that didn't need it. Yes, is it a damp squib ended under the yellow flag and the safety car? Yeah, but they didn't try to make something out of something. And we saw the last time they they engineered the situation Mm. and everyone forgot how great a season it was last year. They just focused on that race and the fallout from it. So... Yeah, maybe we should look at discussions about tweaking the rules to to try and limit it, you know, but then what's the best thing? There's a a few ideas floating around. Obviously, Christian Horner said that there should be a process in place that allows it to finish under action. Even he, with the driver that was probably under attack the most to lose his position, he was the one that said, you know, I, I think there should have been something in place to finish the race under green circumstances. Chris, is there something that we should do, a change in the rules to make sure a race finishes under the green flag circumstances? I, I, I don't actually think so. I've com- I mean, I've commented on a lot of races and I've seen many of them finish like that mm. and they've quickly become old news, to be honest. I mean, the driver in second says, you know, uh, might might say something like that, but 
we we quickly move on. Uh, IndyCar do it. They throw the red flag all the time. And then we go to this whole situation of a two-lap shootout. You know, if that happens, then, you know, we could have a driver who's running in the podium places who's worked really, really hard to get there, has saved their tyres very well. And then all of a sudden we get a red flag, everyone shoots on new tyres and they lose that in, in two laps. So I, I think as much as it might be great in battling for a lead, we've got to think of the rest of the field as well. And uh, we don't want F1 to become a show. I think it's, uh, it is a sport at the end of the day. And I think as Coop said, the, the rules are there for a reason. They followed them. And I think we'll, honestly, it will be forgotten about, you know, before you know it. So, so yeah, I, I respect him honestly for saying that as the, as the team principal of the, the guys who are under attack it surprises me that he did to be fair but fair, no honestly fair play to him for doing it but but yeah I, I think the right thing was done and I think it's a step in the right in the right direction for, for I think I think maybe Abu Dhabi kind of dictated what he was saying about that actually just to kind of justify the end yeah. of last season maybe I don't know P- possibly yeah possibly and I said you know if if the same rule was followed last year then that may maybe never happen, but yeah, it, I, like I said, I've, I've commentated on a lot of races where that's happened, and you left. And I, we had one on Sunday in Trekker, and we all wanted it to, you know, a race to kick off because it was lining up so nicely. But mm. that, you know, that's just racing, unfortunately. It's just just how it is. So, so yeah, a, a shame, but I don't think it would have changed the result at the front anyway. Do you agree with Chris, Emma? Yeah, I do. I think what's interesting is that I did read somewhere that the team principals and the FIA are going to have a meeting regarding what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that would lead to a rule change. I doubt it. Like Chris said, I think they'll probably keep it as it is because it doesn't always happen. It's it's quite rare that that does happen. Yeah. It would have, let's face it, It's. I think the main backlash about it is because of what happened last year. A lot of people were annoyed. I know the Ferrari team principal, Matty, was annoyed, but I agree with Chris again that I think that Max is so good with defensive driving that I don't think Charles would have got past anyway. No, that's true. I had a, a thought earlier. I think maybe what they could do if they wanted to do it, if, if a incident happens within 10% of the end, they could throw out the red flag without letting them change their tyres, but just kind of giving them like a, a rolling start. So it all kind of remains as it is or as it was, and then let them have a rolling start and then finish un- under green flag conditions. I, I was trying to think, what could we actually do that would I know, be um, a way Lewis around Lewis Hamilton it? said about extending the race. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of people talking about overtime and that sort of thing, but then yeah. that, there's there's fuel issues involved with that one, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. I think it just gets too overcomplicated for something that doesn't happen that often. Mm. Absolutely worth talking about. Coops, have you got an opinion on it? Well, I mean... I'm I sure you of, have. Yeah, yeah, always do. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, it was a damp squib. As everybody said, we weren't going to see the clear beat, you know, first happen. Uh, you know, it, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as you say, I think you touched on a couple of the things that I wrote a wee piece about the about the situation for the website. And I say the British touring cars add up to a maximum of three extra laps if mm. they're under safety car. Again, we're back to the fuel thing. So you could mandate that the teams have to leave a certain percentage of the fuel or a certain amount of weight of fuel in case. But then again, the teams don't like it because it's weight and it causes all sorts of issues. Interestingly, the FIA president, I'm not going to say his name because I'll butcher it, actually after Abu Dhabi last year came out and said to the teams, right, this is the safety car thing that went wrong. You guys come up with something. Teams couldn't come up with something that they all agreed on. So the FIA did ask them, look, guys, 
come up with something, then we'll change it. You know, what, what's the issues? What do you not like? Let's fix it. Let's get around the table. None of the teams could agree, so it stayed as is. Uh, you know, and I think the whole situation shows you how fickle Formula One fans can be. Mm-hmm. Because people were celebrating Verstappen winning when the rules weren't followed. People are now mourning that Verstappen won because the rules were followed. Would these want? <laughs> you can't like, please everyone all the time. And the, the saying I go to is you bow to one person, you're showing your ass to somebody else. Pretty much what happened here. It's you're never going to please folk, but the rules are the rules and people are going to complain. We're probably unless the FIA, which they can't do as Chris may be able to confirm it, but the FIA can't change the rules mid season or during the season unless all the teams agree, as mm. far as I understand it. Yeah. So unless they do it off season, they just decide, right, we're going to do this. You guys just have to deal with it. This is what we're doing from next year. But again, why would they? When was the last time a race? I think oh, one of the last times I remember was 2012. It's the last time a race finished under the safety car. Maybe I'm wrong. I know Brazil 2012 did. Uh, nobody moaned about that. It was just, oh, well, these things happen. I think yeah. what's interesting is that Toto also, like who was obviously deeply unhappy with the result last year, even he said that he doesn't really agree that races should end under safety cars. So he said it's a good job that the rules were followed, but it's something yeah. worth discussing whether there should be a change in the future. It, it, it's, it's, it's good to discuss it, whether they'll come up with something better. It's like the, it's like the thing in football. Nobody likes to see a game or a, a very important game being decided under penalties, but they can't come up with a better suggestion. Yeah, It's not a good way to do it because it's a lottery and it's the same with the race. You know, the race got killed off, eight laps to the end and there's nothing you could do about it. And it is what it is. Like, are we going to see it again this year? We'll all say probably not, and then it'll happen in Singapore because that's just how, <laughs> or that's how twisted life is. But, you know, yeah, have a discussion, but I don't see what they could do that's going to work. And mm. if we've all followed Formula One long enough to know, there's always something that comes up that we've never thought of, and then it puts a span on the works, and you're like, oh, oh okay. And that causes a trip that trips up the rules and regulations we've got or makes things a bit awkward. Or, I mean, to be fair, to play the devil's advocate, it was a bit clunky how everything worked out and with the safety car and everything out, but that's just how that happens. Nothing's yeah. relatively... It just depends on where, where the car finishes, you know, where, where it yeah. breaks down or where it you know, hits the wall or, you and know... It's... When the safety car came out, if Max Verstappen was on the main straight and the safety car was waiting, boom, we're sorted, everyone's there, get everybody around, couple of laps sorted. But he wasn't. Mm. He was half a lap behind, then he went into the pit. And then, you know, everyone's quite spread out at that point because it's so close to the end of the race. Everything yeah. just conspired, I think, just to cause, conspired against them. And it's just, you know, you know, it's all the, it, with things like this, when we end up talking about, it's all these small things that yeah. make the bigger issue. The gear, the car being stuck in gear, the having to wait for the crane, the, you know, and Verstappen not be where the, the, you know, when the safety car comes out. Uh, and as a side point, the safety car isn't there to pick the leader up. It's in the actual regulations. It states that the safety car goes out regardless of where the leader is. Yeah. So anyone that wants to come out and say, well, they should have waited. No, because the whole point of the safety car is a safety thing. It doesn't matter yeah. about the sport you know, or the entertainment or the fact it might ruin the race. It's there for a safety reason. And we all know what happened the last time we had an issue with safety cars and led to the death of Jules Bianchi. So, you know, in that respect, it needs to be used. Absolutely. Well, 
the people that did obviously miss out at the chance of trying to take Max Verstappen were, of course, the Ferrari team. And they were in a, a lovely canary yellow this weekend, but sadly couldn't place it on top of the podium at home. But did a pretty decent job, obviously, coming in second. We'll go back to Chris. Were you impressed with the Charles Leclerc this weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, it was much needed, wasn't it? I think, mm. I think you know, to, to get on on the podium at Monza, you kind of worried, given their their misfortunes this season, you kind of worried it was all going to go pear-shaped for them there as well. And, you know, I, I was hoping that, you know, for his sake, everything would just come together for them. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, thankfully for them as a team, yeah, it, it was a really good result, wasn't it, overall? And having Carlos come through, and uh, I think for the home crowd in particular, that that was really great for, for them, you know, to see him coming through and making a lot of overtakes, working his way through the field. He was definitely one of the drivers of the race as well. He, he put in a fantastic performance, I think. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a good haul of points, which they really needed for their for their confidence as a team and, and for themselves as drivers to to take forward now into the into the last part of the season. So, so yeah, I, I was impressed with, with Charles and, and Carlos in particular, actually. Was it another Ferrari mistake? Would you say pitting so early during that first yellow flag situation? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not too sure if it was if it was a mistake really pitting in, in that sense. I, I, I just I just think Verstappen overall was was just quicker on the day, and and Red Bull were quicker on the day. I mean, their car looks very quick in a in a straight line this season as well, doesn't it? And round yeah. one, so that is that is very very helpful. So so yeah, I I, I don't think it. It was a mistake. I don't think they they made strategy mistakes like they have done throughout the season. I, I think they were just beaten by the bare car, really. Yeah, me too, actually. Emma, let's talk about Carla Sainz. Obviously, Chris did touch on it. He had an absolutely fantastic race charging uh, from the back of the grid all the way to kind of fourth position. So yeah. uh, superb performance for, for Carla Sainz. Yeah, amazing. And I think he was one of the drivers who was a bit annoyed by the safety car because he was catching up to George Russell and mm. he did want to get on the podium. But even without the podium, like to, to get up that many places, I mean, it was a really good race for him. And did you like the yellow livery that they had and the the yellow banana skin suits that they had on? I think maybe they could have just gone for a yellow helmet. I didn't really like the suits because they did look like bananas or minions, let's face it. There were so many minion <laughs> posters and stuff in the, in the audience. But the car itself, I think that looked really nice. And it's good that Ferrari are actually showing some creativity for once. <laughs> Yeah, and people who are Ferrari fans have been able to buy T-shirts and merchandise with a different colour for once, which doesn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It it wasn't the bad omen that previous special liveries have been, i.e. 2019 Mercedes. Yeah. But that's that's something from Mercedes. Yeah, true, true, very true. So let's talk about who's next then. So we've talked about Verstappen, we talked about Ferrari and Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, so third position, George Russell. Yeah, Mercedes have pretty much cemented that they're the third fastest car in the grid now. You know, yep. they've got themselves sorted. They're now third fastest. They're way ahead of Alpine and McLaren. You know, it's just about consolidating. They're not that far behind Ferrari, as far as I know, or maybe Russell isn't far behind the guys in front. I, can't, I need to check the points. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're building on it. The car wasn't as fast this week. Well, it didn't seem as fast this week as it did no, I think, I uh, the think, previous uh, weekend. Yeah, I think George Russell did say there was a bit of a performance drop-off. I think they were expecting a bit better and it wasn't quite where they wanted it from what I think he spoke to afterwards. But, you know, going from where they were, especially Hamilton, when he you know, trying all the different setups and, you know, experimental stuff with the car to try and figure stuff out at the start of the year, you know, to go to, to where they are now in regular points and, you know, podiums, 
uh, maybe not this weekend, but in general. Did he get, Russell did get a podium? Yeah, get third, third podium, sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it's going where it needs to go, and I get to that point now where you wouldn't, it's not quite of, out of the ordinary if they were to sneak a wee win this year. Yeah. Let's talk about Hamilton. And Hamilton also, uh, along with Carla Sainz, also started at the back of the grid and had, uh, again, another masterful drive through the field, just like Carla Sainz, uh, and obviously got his car into fifth as well. Chris, go on. Can you can you talk about Lewis Hamilton uh, and Mercedes and your thoughts on George Russell as well? Yeah. Su- I mean, superb, wasn't it, from, from Lewis Hamilton coming through the field? I think it was great. It was almost nice having, you know, some of those guys towards the... The back, you know, I think it'd almost be nice every few races to to have that, isn't it? Just to <laughs> stick a couple of the quick guys at the back. I think we need to put Max back there a couple of times uh, towards the end of the season because it just <laughs> makes for some. It just makes for some great racing. The further up they get, you know, the the harder the overtakes become. Yeah, and then you know you're just watching watching the gaps to the leaders, aren't you? And it, it just becomes a, a really good really good race to watch when we get into the pit stops as well. And I, I think Hamilton drove a, a a great race coming through through the field. Yeah, the, the safety car obviously uh, at the end didn't really help him. George Russell, fantastic for him. I mean, he's in such good form at the moment. I, mm-hmm. think it's, I think it's four in the last five races now. He's been on the podium, seven for the season. He's, you know, he's probably one of the most informed drivers in in Formula One. And and Coops is right. I mean, he's he's not far away from being in, in you know, in the running to become vice champion this season, which yeah, which is pretty incredible, really, mm. when you think about it. I don't think anyone would have thought that he could have stepped in and potentially gone and challenged to become vice champion this season. So if he could go and get second place overall in the championship, you know, that would be absolutely incredible. For, for Not just for him, but for the team as well. What a recovery, but, you know, from where they started yeah. you know, to, to get that. Now, I think that it's only it's within 20 points, maybe. Yeah, so place, yeah, which is... just looking at the tables, George Russell is 16 points away from Charles Leclerc on Charles Leclerc's on two, 219 and George Russell's on 203. And in the constructors, Mercedes are only a matter of 20, oh, quick maths, 29 points away. No, that's wrong, but around that, how many points wow. from them in the constructors' championship, too? So it, this is the battle now, really. Let, let's yeah. be honest. Max Verstappen has probably won this championship and Red Bull have probably won the Constructors' Championship. It's all about yeah. second place uh, at this point and could be quite exciting. That's a, that's a hell of a battle though, isn't it? When you, mm-hmm. you know, when you think about it, that's not a lot of points at all. That's a that's a race win or, you know, really be, between them. So one mistake now and it's it's going to be an absolutely you know, it's going to be fascinating. I think that could be a battle that comes down to the to the last round of the season so we might not get the last round battle for, for overall champion but yeah we could get it for, for vice champion and maybe some drama along the way so so yeah it's, it's, it's definitely going to be worth watching all the all the way to the end isn't it it is it is let's talk about the second Red Bull driver Sergio Perez obviously came behind Lewis Hamilton in sixth position we'll go to Emma can you kind of sum up his race yeah, the problem with him, I think, is that he got stuck in a DRS train for a lot of the race. But I think he, I remember he did some some good overtakes and like Lewis, he did start near the back of the grid. Yeah, uh, I think he had maybe like a 15 grid place penalty. It's 15 or 10. So, yeah, I mean, it was okay from him. I think he's fallen off a little bit over the last few races, I would say, in comparison to Max, who's just straight away, straight to the front. I don't know whether someone said something about him having something on his car. Maybe he was trying trying something different, but I'm not sure that's the case. I just don't think maybe he's quite performing on par. Yeah, is it a performance thing or is is Red Bull not giving him the same car, same yeah. ability? Yeah, who knows? 
to keep him kind of back? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. T- it's t- all just... Tinfoil hat kind of uh, situation, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Coops then, let's talk about our Papaya boys, McLaren. Would have been a better day had Danny Rick finished the race. He was in a fairly okay position for, for his recent form in Formula One. What can you say about Danny Rick and Lando Norris? Yeah, it was okay. Uh, I mean, Lando Norris's start was horrible. Uh, I'm not oh, yeah, sure. he bogged down, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I don't know what it was. It, it looked like the car hit the anti-stall, and that's not a track where you want to hit anti-stall when you come into that chicane. Uh, yeah, Danny Rick. Uh, I'm not sure. Did McLaren come out and say what the early diagnosis was for the for engine? I think all all I heard was Danny Rick saying it was his engine, that it was power or something. So uh, a rare power issue for the Mercedes. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, Lando Norris is doing what Lando Norris does. You know, he gets it where he gets it and keeps it round about there. He, he looked like he was doing reasonably well near the end of the race until the safety car came out. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a it's a weird one. I think they they, they kind of done a wee bit of uh, a bit of Alpha Tauri, a bit of Alpine. They were they were kind of anonymous. They done what they needed to do. They didn't. There wasn't anything. The only biggest the biggest issue I think was Norris with the pit stop. Uh, dropped a few seconds, which fired them behind Gasly. And it looked if they got that pit stop nailed on, he would have been a lot further up. Uh, and that you know that's the kind of fine margins within Formula One really. An extra three seconds onto your pit stop, two seconds onto your pit stop, and you you didn't get your overcut. But he had done well to get ready. You know they timed it right, they done everything right, and then they just mucked it at the last minute. So yeah, they, they were all right. I think what helped was Alpine were weird. They had a lot of pace, and it came to the race. They didn't have any. Then Alonso retired, so hmm. they took the they took a few points, or at least Norris did where Alpine weren't quite at the races, which is what they've been needing, which they need to do. Uh, but yeah, you know, Ricardo up there in is it the second row of the grid, uh, along with Norris, third four, and then he retires near the end of the race. The curse is alive and well, and, you know, it just kind of epitomises that season, really, and his time in Formula 1 with uh, McLaren, unfortunately. Yeah, so you mentioned the curse there. That that basically means last year's winner was always destined to DNF yes. because that's happened three years in a row, which means next year, put your money, £10 or your house, Max Verstappen to DNF. We'll probably lose your money, but, you know, it's worth a shot. <laughs> hey, well, you know, you never know what, you never what know. happened. The other headline from the weekend, and it's something that we have to discuss, Alex Albon sadly had appendicitis and was rushed to hospital to have an operation, obviously, to remove his appendix. We wish him well on his recovery, of course. He had some respiratory problems. It was just reported on Twitter where we were talking that he's doubtful. Uh, after everything and recovery is going to plan and still Singapore is still what they're aiming for although as you touched on respiratory failure appendectomy but he's now back home in Monaco and resting up at home well that's good good to hear that he you know is resting and he's back home but what it did mean it meant that 27-year-old Nick DeVries was in Mercedes garage having a cup of coffee just about to sip, sip away and try and twist Toto's earlobes to try and get him into the team uh, on the grid. And uh, he was called up by Williams to, to come and step in for the poorly Alex Albon. And he had, what, half an hour in the car in free practice three and then came out in qualifying and had an absolutely brilliant, brilliant, you know, qualifying session for somebody who had so little time in the car. We'll go to Chris to kind of summarise what he feels and how well he feels Nick DeVries did this weekend. I mean, he he did absolutely superb, didn't he? I mean, it, it shouldn't be that someone jumps in a car for the first time without, you know, with only, as you said, 
30 minutes, whatever it was, of practice where he was struggling to get used to the steering wheel, basically, because of you know, how complex, you know, everyone's is, you know, different, I'm sure, different setups and things. And he was pushing some of the wrong buttons, I think, at the wrong at some times, <laughs> wasn't he? Trying yeah. to get used to it all, you know, so to have half an hour to try and get used, get your head around that and then go qualifying. And as we know, qualifying isn't a, isn't a long process, isn't it? You've got mm. to get your lap in incredibly quickly. And yeah, to go and do what he did in qualifying and get through was an, an unbelievable achievement and then to follow that up and, and do it in a race you know even better you know you know a long long race as well mm. and as you can see at the end you, people might have seen the, the video on twitter he, he needed help getting out of the car and everything mm -hmm. like that and, I, and that wouldn't have been for the cameras as well you know he actually i've, I've met nick this season he his driver races a, a driver he trains races in frecker and he doesn't come across as the guy to me that would have that would have done that on on purpose or anything. So, but yeah, an unbelievable achievement. You know, I, I, to just to jump in Formula One and, and do that. I think everyone, you know, I think he realised he got his chance. Uh, I think things happen for a reason, don't they? I don't think yeah. this is anything against Alex Albon. Yeah, Alex is a fantastic driver as well. He's he's got his chance. He's making the most of it. But uh, you know, I, I I believe in things happening for a reason sometimes, and I think. Yeah, Nick had been waiting long enough. He proved his, you know, he proved his worth in Formula E. Yeah, mm -hmm. when he jumped in the car, he'd done very well. And uh, yeah, he, he's been more than prepared for that moment. And I think that was proven uh, by his performance. So yeah, yeah, an unbelievable achievement. Yeah, 2020, 2021 season champion in Formula E, wasn't he? So uh, he's yeah. got a great pedigree. It came to the final race, didn't it, as well? And it, mm. it was that sort of three or four of them were in contention for the title, I think. It was a really, really tough season for him to go and win that as well. Yeah, with the with the Mercedes team. And I think that was their first season maybe as well. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was a fantastic achievement. A Formula 2 champion as well, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, he, he's done very well. And, you know, I think now he's, that was his audition. And now he basically just has to wait for the contract to come through the post from someone, doesn't it? So. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's talk about it's the final nail in the coffin for me for Nicholas Latifi. Sadly, he's a nice guy, but unfortunately, just he's costing the team more money than he's bringing. He's come into the team and got two points where Nicholas Latifi all season has got zero. And and that's Joss Capito even said we've left the ball in Nick's court, actually. He said that today or, or in an interview recently over the last couple of days. It's entirely up to Nick to see what he's going to be doing next year if he's got contracts in place that he needs to either get out of. But it sounds like he's offered him a seat for next year pending decisions elsewhere. Maybe even Alpine might have offered him a seat. And would that be a better seat for him to go to based on performance? Obviously, that's a vacant seat. Otmar Safnauer said he's got 14 potential drivers to go into that seat. So is Nick De Vries on that shortlist? Coops? Well, if, if Alpine have got 14 potential drivers, they'll end up losing 15 of them. That's <laughs> kind of what they do. Um, no, like, if I was Nick De Vries, the Nick De Vries does always manage it himself. He doesn't have a manager, it's him. Mm. Uh, his contract with Mercedes from what I understand it ends at the end of this year so he's not tied it's not like a loan deal a bit like Alex Albon was initially with Williams you know he's kind of loaned and there's some issues to iron out uh, you know Williams after that performance if, if you know speculation is there they've given him a contract they've seen what he's done they've been oh you imagine what you could do if we give him proper time and whatnot. Mm -hmm. there's a contract you know Alpine I don't know Alpine 
probably Nick DeFries wouldn't have been on Alpine's radar till this weekend. And being Alpine as Alpine are are probably like kind of hooming and hawing about it. They're looking at Gasly. I don't know if interest in that's cooled. It's been mentioned. There are difficulties over the contract with Gasly because he's already in one, isn't there? So they'd have to probably pay. To, uh, well, I was going to say Toro Rosso then uh, Alpha Tauri out of it a bit as well. Well, I think what is what the script, what the situation was was that they've approached Red Bull a while ago mm. and said, "Look, we would like to take Gasly." Red Bull have said, "If you want Gasly, these are the terms in which to break the contract and take him." Alpine were agreeable to those terms, so that's the biggest bit. Mm. As far as I understand it, from what I've looked online, there hasn't been any kind of direct conversations unless it's happened now. But I did read something that the that Gasly Alpine thing had started to cool. So I don't know if yeah. that's driver contract wasn't agreeable or there was some other issues that hadn't been, you know, that have cropped up. Uh, if I was Nick DeFries, I'd go straight for Williams. I mean, up until this weekend, it didn't look like he was going to get a hit in F1. It looked mm. like he was just one of those talented drivers that just that just fell at the wrong time. And we've all seen them, you know, Van Dorn gets a shot at McLaren and McLaren were horrible. He ends up having to go elsewhere to keep his career going, unlikely to get a chance again in Formula One. Nick De Vries, although never got on the grid, was a test and went away to Formula E. And it didn't look like there was anything coming up for him. Mm. Well, and then he's t- he's done what he's done. And, you know, what we need to remember as well is he was driving for Aston Martin on Friday. That's a yeah. whole different setup, a whole different car, different buttons, different you know way to drive it. And then, as you said, you know Saturday he's chilling, having a you know cuppa, thinking he's going to be standing next to Total Will for the race. And it's like, right, shift, get your gear, go down there. Like, what? <laughs> oh, okay, right, I'm off. You know, and he, he like to do what he did. It was a it was a great feat, Emma. I, I want your opinion on it, on this as well. You're a a bit of a Nick De Vries fan. You've been chatting about obviously him because you you watch a lot of Formula E as well. What were you? Yeah. What was your take on on his weekend? I don't want to rain on his parade, but obviously I do think the fact that there was quite a lot of cars starting at the back did help him. Yeah. But his qualifying time was great, and he did he obviously rightly so deserved driver of the day. And a lot of people have been commenting on his age, the fact that he's twenty seven. But I feel like people forget that Nicholas Latifi is also twenty seven. Yeah. So even though, because I, I know that Crofty and stuff were comparing him to Lando Norris because they were the years that he's been in like F2 and F3 because I think he, he was just a bit late in the game. But that mm. doesn't mean that he's not going to be, you know, a great driver at Williams. And I think him and Alex Albon as a driver lineup would be great for Williams, especially pushing them forward to get them out of this role that they have been in the last few years. I think it'd be a perfect driver lineup to be honest with you. Bringing yeah. bringing in decent points for the team that Williams haven't had with Nicholas Latifi. We've yeah. got a comment that I want to briefly touch on from Peter Phelps watching on the live stream. It's a great point. He says he very much doubts that Alex Albon will be back for Singapore because recovery from an appendectomy takes a minimum of four weeks. Yeah, I was out four weeks. Oh, well, there you go. He'd be lucky to be back for Japan. That being the case, he thinks Nick De Vries may very well get at least one more race before he returns, maybe even two. So that's a good point. He could have another audition to demand a higher amount of money next year. <laughs> now, now, is that a good thing? Because if he goes to Singapore and bends it almost True. straight away, and, you know, Singapore's a tricky track, you know, you kind of forget. As, as Nick said when he's interviewed, you're only as good as your last race. Mm. You know, let's just, like, like let's hope Albin's fine. We all remember how good Nicholas Latifi uh, No, <laughs> Nick DeFries was in Mon- and then he gets the seat at Williams, and we don't have, you know... People that have contracts second-guessing themselves because he didn't quite have a good one at Singapore. Because, you know, teams have very short memories when it comes to drivers. It's a Uh, double-edged sword, a fine line to tread. 
I mean, if you if Miles round there and gets another ninth in Singapore, then you're like, right, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Come on then, uh, just just stay there. Yeah, uh, I don't think Nicholas Latifi would see out the rest of the season if that was the case. No, I think Latifi's staying there to the end of the year because as much as he's he brings in a good twenty million from what I understand, and the amount of money Williams would need to be to breach contracts mid-season and stuff, you know, you know, if, uh, I think McLaren. It's rumored that they had to pay. A good twenty million to get Ricardo out of a year, you know, a year of driving with them. So, you know, take the pain with Latifi, but uh, I would, I would be very surprised if he doesn't already, he hasn't already been told. Look, regardless of what happens this year, because I mean, if you look, you look at the two drivers that are struggling. You've got Mick Schumacher and Latifi. Mick Schumacher's kind of bucked it, you know, he's mm. kind of went all right, he's got on with it, he's got a bit better, he's a wee bit further up the grid. You tell Latifi that, right? By the way, you need to do a bit better or you're not going to see it, then he's a further two seconds behind his teammate again. You're like, okay, I don't know where... It, I think he's just like level. Maybe Formula One now for, for Nicholas Satifi has just moved away even more from what he was before. But, but yeah, I'd... yeah. I, I just want to comment on Emma's point about him benefiting from the penalties and that sort of thing. Latifi also benefited from those penalties. That is true. And he went backwards five positions, whereas uh, Nick DeVries only went back <laughs> one position which does kind of prove yeah, yeah. that Nick is probably in a very slightly different league so far. Okay, let's let's move away from this. Oh, we've got loads more stuff away from Formula 1 to chat about, but we must talk about the last few teams and whatnot from the grid to summarise everyone. What team didn't have two cars finishing the race? Aston Martin. Aston, Aston, Aston Martin. Aston Martin, yeah. Aston Martin didn't yeah. have a single car finish the race, did they? No. So that's not a good look for the Aston Martin team and some weekend that they're going to want, want to put behind them. Uh, Chris... <laughs> What can you say about that, really? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was that. I think that might be Lance's first DNF. You know, his first one of the season. But yeah, a, a pretty shocking one for them, isn't it? Yeah. And Sebastian came to a stop pretty early in the race as well. Yeah, one that they'll want to forget about really, really quickly. But a shame for for Lance to be honest, because he'd been bringing the car home safely all the time, and and yeah, that's sadly come to a stop for him. So yeah, a, a bit of a shame for him, given he'd been putting in some fairly decent performances in race. And in qualifying as well recently. Yeah. Emma, would you like to speak about Alpine? I'm trying to remember what happened with the two Alpines. I can't actually remember why. I think Alonso Diener. Yeah. Something wrong with his car. He sort of just went into the pits and they were like, we're retiring the car. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not sure where Ocon finished. I think it was a pretty forgettable race for Alpine, to be honest with you. Yeah, nothing nothing very impressive. He came mm-hmm. at 11th, so just outside the points. Yeah. Because they've got loads of other teams. We'll, we'll just we'll just go around and you can each pick one team that you might want to talk about. If there's anyone that missed Coops, who would you like to mention that we haven't spoken about? Mike Schumacher, as far as I know, had a pretty decent race. It was pretty, you know, I think he was ahead of Magnussen in the end up, if I remember right. And I think he just got caught out again with a safety to get further up mm. uh, like I said before he's doing what he should do what, you know he's doing it right you know he, he got a bit of the hurry up he got told like you need to get your finger out mm-hmm. and get a bit better at it and he, he seems to have done well I've got it here he came 12th Magnuson came 16th so I mean the Haas hasn't has kind of drifted away from where it was at the start of the season whether that's just the other cars have overtaken them in development or whatnot but you know He's done a good job in that race. He's, started, he's, he's given Haas something to think about. I still personally don't think he'll be there next year. But 
he's still certainly giving him something to think about. So he's doing the best he can under the circumstances, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, Chris, have you got anyone you want to mention that we haven't mentioned already? I mean, uh, Alfa Romeo, obviously. Yeah, yeah Joe Grand, you got in the top 10, didn't he? Third time this season, pretty good qualifying for him as well. Yeah. I think overall it was actually, I mean, I think they took one point away from the weekend, but it was actually a much better than that for mm -hmm. them overall because Bottas was dead last wasn't he at the at, you know at the end of the first lap and and came through to you know was knocking on the door of the top 10 by the end so I think for them they can be yeah they can be very happy with their performance and Emma anyone you want to mention before we move on I just wanted to also touch on Alfa Romeo I'm looking at a statistic at the moment that in the last eight races Valtteri Bottas has got six points and in the first eight races of the season he got 40 points Wow. So what is going on with him at the moment? Because he's really dropped off. I know his car's like he's been, been having reliability issues with the car, but I'm not sure what's going on there because that's a big difference. Yeah, and DNF last race as well. And yeah. Yeah, not reliability has not been the best. No. I, think it's, I think it's the car. Because Alfa Romeo at the start of the season were on weight, but the other cars weren't. And when you're on weight, there's nobody else to go. So it's the other cars caught up with them, they've overtook and they've not developed. Mm. You know, Alpha don't tend to develop as much or have a rapid development kind of set up. So, you know, it's one of those ones where you, you, you started well and tailed off, but not because their car's necessarily bad, it's because everyone else has overtook them or caught up with them. Mm. Uh, so I think it's more that rather than anything else, which is a shame. And again, as you guys touched on that Ferrari power unit, it's a bit fragile as well, you know. Uh, we'll see where that goes. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they go with, you know, once if the quote unquote the Audi thing kicks in, um, mm. you know, with because it's not just like a, a fancy sponsor like what they do with Alpha Romeo. It's a proper works, you know, development. A lot of smart people within motorsport will be there to to help them and hopefully get that get into that midfield fight. But yeah, I think it's more a development issue with the car rather than anything else than a personal the, one the yeah yeah okay well i think that's pretty much a summary for the monza grand prix it was a good race i really enjoyed it it's, it always gives us plenty to talk about let's talk about other news from around the paddock we've got to talk about the recently crowned champions in the feeder series something that i'm sure chris knows a lot about covering them as well felipe drogovic was the champion in f2 crowned in monza this weekend can you talk talk to us about felipe drogovic's uh, season Chris, and how impressed you've been. He's had a fair few wins as well, and just a good season all round. Yeah, I mean, he's been absolutely solid. I mean, it's, you know, it's not to take any, it's not taking anything away from him where others have looked like they're going to be putting in a real challenge. I mean, Teo Porcher has looked like he's going to come in and challenge him, then the car's failed him or he's crashed. Mm. And then Logan Sargent, you know, won at Silverstone. It thought, right, here's his challenge starting. And then, He's had a few crashes, but whilst they've all been doing that, Felipe Drogovic has just been winning all the time and getting on the podium and always scoring points. And he did a lot of the legwork at the start of the season as well. He was absolutely superb at the start of the season. So, yeah, he's an incredibly deserved champion. And, uh, yeah, great to see him, him wrap it up. It's the first first win for, for the team as well. First championship win for the team, MP Motorsports. So, yeah, mm. I, think that, I think the best result they had before this season was was like ninth or something like that. I, I didn't even know if they'd been in the top 10 before. So it was you know, in GP2 either. So mm. it was, uh, yeah, it was really, really impressive for, for them to turn it round so dramatically this this year with 
with Philippe and go and win the title the way they did, you know, with a round to spare. You know, it, it's not like it's the last round of the season. They they go and race at Yas Marina as well. But he races there as, as a champion. And now he's been signed to, to Aston Martin as well, the first first driver of their new academy program. So I think he he deserved that signing off, off the back of this, definitely. Yeah, which means he's going to get a drive in free practice one towards the end of the season, they said. And obviously next year is going to help them out with the development of the car. And of course, mm. he's going to get lots of opportunity, or well, hopefully a few opportunities in pre-practices as well to, to kind of show us what he's made of. It's just good to see the F2 champion getting that, getting at least an, an opportunity within Formula One. Mm. Have you been to a few of the races this year? No, I commentated on the Silverstone round, but obviously that was from base. It wasn't for, it wasn't at the circuit. And that was, a, yeah, that, that was a really, really good race. Actually, yeah. Jack Dewey won the sprint race in the wet, which was, which was a crazy race. It, it's gone down as one of the races of the season so far, actually. There and was then quite the a bad Sunday day crash, race, wasn't there? Sunday, yeah, Sunday we had the really bad crash with Roy Nassani that was involved in where he hit Dennis out, where him and Dennis Hauger crashed into each other. Roy Nassani's fault sort of shoved him, shoved Dennis Hauger off the track, and and then yeah, it, it was yeah, a bit of a bad incident where the hailer really saved the life on that day, and the sausage curb nearly. Yeah, that yeah, it sort of uh, everyone questioned whether they needed to be there or not. It was mm. coming down to Vale Corner, but yeah, it, once we got going again, it was a really good performance from Logan Sargent. Got a home win for Carlin, and that was when I thought, you know, this kid is going to, you know, he, he was being looked at as a potential driver for Williams next yes. year as an academy driver for them. People were thinking this this guy could, you know, he he could be in a seat next year, but it's just fallen away for him a little bit. That that doesn't mean that he. He's still not in line for a seat in a team next year. We haven't had an American on the grid for a little while, so it'd be good to get one back. But but yeah, it's not been the end of the season that he would have hoped for. But overall, Emma, F2 season this year has been a, an exciting one, a fun one, one that you've enjoyed, one that you're excited yeah. to see the last race of the season. Yeah, uh, in definitely. A, month, um, a couple of months' time. Felipe, for me, I think was quite surprising because I really thought that it was going to be like Liam Lawson, Yori Vips year. And they were like in the top 10, but I really thought that they would be challenging for the championship. So it is really impressive for Felipe. And I would be surprised if he wasn't on Alpine's list for the 14 drivers that they were interested yeah. in. Mm-hmm. because that would have been a great step up for him. Also, Jack Dewan did really well this season. I think he got a win, maybe two, but that was really impressive to see. And he is Another, on the list yes, as well. Yes, I'm as sure as he LP will be on list. the list because mm. he is obviously working with them. So yeah, it's it's been a very interesting season and it's 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 good that he's obviously dominated quite a lot, but there was quite a lot of good fights as well. So overall, great season. It was, it was a good, from what I watched, I watched quite a few of them. I didn't watch them all, but I did watch quite a few of them this year and they've all been very, very entertaining. Coops, did you watch any of them this year? I kind of dipped in and out and watched some, you know, sometimes just the timings of it being on sale or whatever, you don't always get time to watch it. But it was always interesting to keep an eye, as Emma says, you know, Djokovic was not really a title contender at the start of the season in F2 and... You he know, didn't even have a... He wasn't in a driver's programme or anything. No, he's not in a driver's He was just completely on his it's own. Just, just him. Uh, you know, and it was interesting at the weekend that, you know, both F2 and F3 winners got their title in the pit league. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, so it's it's always good to see someone that's not got the big powers behind them beat the big powers, in a way, mm. uh, and do it, you know, 
by merit and then get you know get the opportunity because of that. You know, he's he's going over to Aston Martin, give himself some FP ones next year, probably as you yeah. say at the end of the year. So you know, he's getting the kind of plaudits that he should get. Uh, don't think it was a surprise that he was going to Aston Martin when the cameras kept going round to him and he was in the paddock. He kept dipping into the Aston Martin garage. It's kind of like, all right, okay. So yeah, it was good to see, and hopefully we see that name in Formula One in a in a couple of years' time. I think. You know, maybe next year, the end of next year, it could be interesting. I think there's a few people that are the contracts are due up next year. Yeah. So, you know, keeps working away. You can see what happens there. So. Yeah. So, congratulations, Felipe Drogovic. You had a great season. You've still got another race left, but, you, you know, you are the champion. And we look forward to watching you in Formula One in your development role next year. And, of course, the, whatever the future holds for you. Okay. Well, now let's move over to F3 because another champion was crowned over the weekend. And that was Victor Martins. Again, it's been a, a fantastic season for F3. We, we, we've been spoiled. Chris, did you watch much of the F3? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I, I was away at the weekend, but I was uh, watching from from overseas. But yeah, but fantastic finale, wasn't it? Uh, an mm. absolutely bizarre, bizarre ending for a champion to find out sort of twenty five minutes after 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 he coming to the pit lane that he was champion. A nervous wait for him with that penalty. You know, he got he got obviously a five second penalty for abusing track limits, mm. which he wasn't the only driver to get that. There were quite a few drivers getting that over the weekend and it was a case of because we were under a red flag where was that going to you know how far back did that put him and there was a load of questions being thrown around but because of the gap that they had when we were racing it put him back just to fourth place if he went back any further then he you know he wouldn't have been champion I mean saying Maloney had done so so well three Mm. you know three wins in a row in the feature races who would have thought you know that he would have become vice champion he was about eighth in the championship you know with two rounds to go. So it's one of the biggest climbs in a championship I've ever seen from a driver. So yeah, but yeah, the, the most nervous way, I think, obviously the race never got going again. They red flagged it because of the damage to, to the barriers and they, they couldn't get it going again, I think due to timings and things like that. So so yeah, it, it was a shame that it ended that way as it would have been a really good, you know, really good uh, last few laps with Victor having a five second penalty. He would have had to really get his foot down, I think. But, but yeah, I think he was, I think he was the deserved champion overall. Yeah, he won the Formula Renault Euro Cup in 2020. He did a, a fantastic job last season as well. I think he came in as the highest seed this year mm-hmm. and, uh, and showed that experience towards the end of the year when it really counted. You know, he was really tested over the weekend. You know, there was times where he was in the gravel quite literally but he kept his kept his head the whole time and uh, it went to the wire as we all thought the last lap went to the pit lane uh, yeah. and then he came out on top so so yeah I, I think overall uh, watching and commentating on a few rounds he, he was a deserved champion and is he confirmed for F2 next year in, in a team yet or have they not done anything around that situation yet there, there's not been any drivers who, some drivers have come out and said that, that they're moving up but there's no no official announcements that have gone out yet. That won't come for for a few months, you know, until until we get to to testing. I wouldn't have thought, but yeah. So there's been a couple of drivers. I know Jack Crawford was the last to come out and say he's racing Formula Two next year, but he can't say what team for a long time. So, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. That, that will take a little bit of time, but Is- I, I would assume he's 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 going up. Yeah, but it will just be a case of waiting to hear what team he signs to now. Yeah. No, no speculation. He did a fantastic job with the team he raced with. So who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll stay with them. Maybe, yeah, some great, you know, French teams up in 
you know, up in Formula Two. I'm not too sure. You know, <laughs> don't, gonna you be don't a want to stick of, your name on it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be, a, yeah, I, I'd, I'd hate to, yeah, I'd hate to say and get it all wrong. But, but yeah, you know, uh, some drivers tend to stay with the same team, but there's some fantastic teams that will want, uh, will want him, you know, want him as part of the lineup. Of course, you only get two drivers in Formula Two, so mm. it gets tougher, doesn't it, to choose as you go up. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, did you watch much of the F3 this year, Victor Martin's victory? Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great year to watch. I believe there was, was it five drivers in contention when, when they first got to Monza? Six, six wasn't it? Six. It was 20, 25 points between the top oh, yeah. six. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was that's... a race win. Between yeah. them. It was great. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> and I think Ollie Behrman did a great job as well. I know that he, I think there's a bit of controversy surrounding the ending of it, but he did really well to finish third in the championship as well. We've got quite a few of the names that we've mentioned in this last bit of the podcast coming onto our podcast soon. So uh, look forward to those. I think. That's pretty much all we need to chat about. Has there been any other news dropped over the last day or so, Coops? Nothing that I've seen. W Series, these, who was uh, who was the lady that was uh, not very yeah, well? Um, so basically, yeah, I mean, I was there actually, Teresa. It was in our race in Formula Regional. Teresa Babichkova came in to race as a, as a wild card. The race got going in treacherous conditions behind the safety car, but mm-hmm. it's to the point where the driver's... She went up to turn one at the Red Bull ring and just couldn't couldn't see. It was her teammate ahead of her, just couldn't see, mm. couldn't see him, Gillian Henry on, and she crashed into the back of him. She she jumped out the car. The camera showed her jumping out of the car, but then the race was red flagged shortly after that, and the medical car had to go and pick her up. And it was released that night that she, you know, she wasn't wasn't able to take part the next day. Mm. And I didn't see her around the paddock the next day either. And then it came out that she has a spinal injury can't take part in the FIA F3 test or the Singapore round. So, so mm. the, uh, Nerea Marti is going to jump in for her, I believe, and at the F3 test at Magnicor. But, but yeah, that's a, it's a real shame. I don't it know who's racing for her at Singapore. No, yeah. I, I spoke to Joe Downs from the W Series today, actually, when we were talking to BN, and they haven't got somebody yet. Obviously, it's a big logistical thing to get somebody free at this time of the year. So they, yeah. they are just looking into it currently it's a difficult one but we wish Sir Babikova obviously well and hope she heals up very quickly mm, yeah yeah I do have one that I've just found there Col- Colton Herta is to be lined up for private test with Alpine uh, while they're still trying to sort out his super license points for the Alpha Tauri drive for next year mm. um, so that's interesting obviously he's eight points short of his 40 points required but there's no way of him getting those points in that time is there it's it, no it's, the it's position a... he the position he's finished in indycar he won't and it looks like although red bull have been trying to lobby the fia to look at it undergrounds of force majeure and things like that uh, i think the biggest thing was that one of the lower is it indy lights or something only has eight competitors which is too low to to use your your super license points it's something like that and they're trying to argue what's well, not his fault there isn't enough competitors so he should use his points for it uh, but it looks as if all that will be going to come to that if i are going to reject it mm. uh, i think which, it's right too really with all the with all the talent that they've got coming through the legitimate f2 ways and, and gaining their points in the correct way i, I think it's only right yeah. really yeah. To reject his yeah, basically it looks like the FIA are going to reject it on the grounds it's going to set a precedent that's going to be hard to defend against. In other words, if they do it for Hertha, there's not much of an argument for other drivers. I think we should mention it also that. Away from feeder series, we did have another champion this weekend in IndyCar. Will Power won the championship for the second time 
He's 41, so he's a... Interest. Oh, hey, who'd you talk to? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good season, that, uh, Nika. A shame yeah, that it was a really good season. Was, uh, managed to get everything. Now you're talking you're talking a foreign language to me here because I, I I will hold my hands up. I I only watch the Indy 500 and that's that's all I watch, which is probably the worst race to watch. But I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it was very good. There was a point where about nine or eight or nine drivers could win the title with yeah. with sort of four four or five races to go, and it's a series where you really never know who's going to win. So I think they they had about ten ten different winners, maybe even more than that. So. Um, yeah, I think the first eight races were won by different people, and the pole sitter never won for the first sort of eight rounds or something. So, wow. so yeah, there you go, quick, quick. I, I'm not getting paid to do this. I, I just commentated <laughs> on one round, so I had to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, ex Formula One Marcus Ericsson was also in the, the hunt for the title of the last race. I'm yeah. not 100% sure of where he was in the end, whether it was one of those, you know. Yeah, yeah. he won the 500, didn't he? So. And that that was after the red flag, wasn't it? At the 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 end. Yeah. So there you go. There, there was an advert there for late red flags. Well, they they red flag everything, don't they? Like you say, they you know, <laughs> they throw the, the red flag at any any possible chance. F two yeah. driver, what's his name? Christian Lungard. He He's won really rookie well. of the year as well, which wow. is really oh, yeah. impressive yeah, for yeah. him. Callum Eilat was obviously competing for that as well, but yeah, I was really happy to see that he's done that because I didn't really think maybe Formula One wasn't really an option for him. He's moved over there and he seems to be doing really well. Mm. Yeah, he's, he got on the podium as well, over, uh, yeah. I think, uh, a couple of rounds than me, so he's done really well. Yeah. And we're still no further forward than the Alex Pelot to McLaren against Ganassi. No, no. I mean, he won. He won the he won the race, and they were asking him afterwards, like, "Can you tell us what's the situation next year?" And he was like, "I obviously can't tell you because it's all obviously with the court and stuff. You can't yeah. talk about that." But he seemed really happy, bless him, and he he you know was shouting out his team and stuff, even though obviously they're literally being sued. Like it's it's not a great situation to be in, but it's not got nothing to do with his mechanics or anything like that. So no, no, it's. From what we understand, so for anyone that doesn't know, uh, McLaren have signed Pelot, Ganassi went, no, you're not. And then Ganassi basically went, we're not suing McLaren, they're suing the driver, which is yeah. a weird situation. They're suing the driver personally because it must be a breach of contract, I'm assuming. Uh, and that, again, it's not, you know, who would have thought McLaren involved in a contract <laughs> issue with the driver? Eh? Twice, uh, twice in one year. Twice in one year. Uh, <laughs> God, they're, they're going up to three cars, and I think they've got four or five drivers lined up for it, because <laughs> Rosenquist was signed to McLaren, but then it came out it's not necessarily signed to... It's an IndyCar auction, it's not the group, or it's some confusion. Who uh, Pato Ward signed with them? Pelot looks like he's going there. I think Rossi was mentioned about going into McLaren as well for their, their, their shot next year, but... You know, and also they've got their debut with the, the Formula E side of it as well, along with Extreme. So they've got a lot of drivers that they've decided to light up for whatever reason. Elise and I sat down earlier today to speak to W Series driver Fabian Walwend. I hope you enjoy the interview with her. Hello, Fabian Walwend. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm very well. Thank you. Good. Yeah, it's good to come and speak to you. You are Liechtenstein's number one professional driver of all time. That's a fantastic feat to achieve. But thank you very much for coming to speak to us today. If you'd like to kind of give a brief outline of your history in motorsport, just so our fans can kind of get a brief outline, we'll dive into that once you finish. 
Yeah, well, I'm coming from a very small country, Liechtenstein. So yeah, I'm the one, number one driver there. I started off racing when I was only seven years old with go-karting and then kind of did like, yeah, the, the normal racing career. So I switched to Formula 4 in 2016 and then I did some TD racing. I did the Ferrari Challenge for four years. Mm -hmm. I was the first female to to ever win a race in the Ferrari Challenge. Wow. And then I've been with W Series since day one. So it's already my third season. And apart from that, I'm 24 years old, living in Liechtenstein and, yeah, enjoy racing around the world. Brilliant. And, and you're doing a pretty good job at it. I was going to wear my court Dow cap that your <laughs> boss gave to me when I was at Silverstone, but I completely forgot it today. So I apologize. I, I'm a court Dow supporter when I'm at home when you're racing. But thanks for the hat to your boss. But in terms of motorsport, how did you get into it yourself? So was it something your family has always watched and got into? Or was it a freak thing that you just jumped into? Yeah, well, I come from a like non-family, uh, non-racing family, but my dad was always amazed by cars and, and followed Formula One all his life. He grew up in a big family, seven mm. siblings, so he had no chance to do anything himself. But then he initially bought a go-kart for my big brother, Rafael. And then I wanted a pony, but then they kind of dragged me to a little karting track to Switzerland and, and made me try the go-kart. And I did some laps. I opened my visor and I said to my dad, Dad, I want a go-kart. So for my <laughs> first day, I got a, my first go-kart. And from that day onwards, it, it was always my goal to, to become a professional racing driver. All my teachers in school, they always told me that I have to write down a serious job when I said professional <laughs> racing driver. Or, yeah, I even used to say I want to be the first Formula One world champion. But yeah, as I wow. got older, I think we got a little bit more realistic. I mean, now... Driving for W Series, it's it's just a dream coming true. Uh, it's a great series to watch. We love it, actually, here at Everything F1. Uh, we watch all the races. In fact, I've got to say, it's given some more exciting racing than some some of the F1 this season. It's certainly, <laughs> when we were in Miami, the Miami race was fantastic, watching the W Series. So that's my applause to you uh, ladies going around the W Series track. Elise, have you got a question for Fabian? Obviously, you're a, a, a racer yourself, or you do some racing yourself, Elise. So you could kind of draw on some knowledge for, for what you've done. I really wanted to know about Corkdale just runs completely differently to most motorsport teams because they call themselves an internet team. And I just wanted to know a bit more about that and, you know, how that works. Yeah, I mean, racing for a Cordao is, is great. Michael, our team boss, he, he approached me last year. Like, I met him last year and, and I, talked to, I talked to him and I was like, well, you're supporting W Series. Why don't you have your own team? And then this year in, like, February, March, he, he approached us drivers and said, like, yeah, he has, like, no, actually, they we were on, like, a Zoom call and they, they showed me the pink car and they told me, all about Cordao and if I want to drive for them. And I think the idea is just amazing. Like it's, it's like something different. Like we want to really give the fans the opportunity to be part of a race team. We've done so many like things with our fans already. Like we've done this NFT thing of our helmets and yeah. like we did a lot of like meet and greets, some Insta lives. So like we really want to bring racing or like Cordao closer to the fans and also giving them the opportunity to, to be part of it. 
Yeah, it's fantastic what they're doing for the sport. And obviously, there's there's a, f- a few companies doing a similar thing, but not quite the same as Court Dow uh, in the industry. Racing in W Series, and you, you're like a big happy family there. Is that an aspect that you enjoy of the series itself? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I've raced all my life and W Series is so unique because, as you said, we're like one big family. Everything mm. is organized by, by W Series. Of course, now we have like sponsors coming in, but still everything like the cars are managed by, by W Series. And we like we, all of us drivers, we have like one driver's room. So where we mm. get changed, where we hang out. So yeah, it's quite intense, but very enjoyable. A lot of people always ask if we have like some fights or, yeah. <laughs> and I would say like, it's, it's no different than, than racing in any other category. Of course, after a race, there are some heated situations mm. where, yeah, you maybe don't want to see the other driver like immediately, but I would say in general, it's it's been so great. Like the support of so much with like yeah interviews they they're giving us sim to to drive over the weekend mm-hmm. and yeah just like i would say the whole package that w series is giving us drivers is is something really special and yeah i'm some like i'm really grateful for that yeah and you've had some really competitive experiences at w series where you've obviously had some battles with your your, your fellow competitors and you've got a couple of podiums too how does it feel stepping on the podium in a w series yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great. I had in the first year a podium in Misano, two podiums last year in Silverstone and, and Red Bull Ring. This mm-hmm. year I started off a little bit yeah, difficult. I messed Miami up completely. Now I, I think I got really in a good rhythm again, like P4 in Silverstone, P6 in Hungary, P7 in, in France. So I think we really get it going again. So now I would say... The podium is as well due for Singapore, hopefully, as it's going to be our Cordao home race. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just been fantastic. I remember in, in Silverstone, it was the first race after like the restri- COVID restrictions were were re- released. So I I don't have a problem like speaking in front of people, even like if it's a lot of people, but. On the podium in Silverstone, when we gave like the interviews, I looked on the grandstands. I was like really getting nervous because there were like so many people cheering for us. It must be a great atmosphere as well, just having all those fans cheering for your name. We want to see a, a female Formula One driver. We'd love it to be Jamie, obviously, because she's doing so well. What, what would you like to get out of W Series and where would you like to advance from W Series? Well, since I'm seven years old, I, I dream of being a professional racing driver and W Series already made the dream come true. When I applied for W Series, I was still working full-time as a banker in a Liechtenstein bank. So after 2019, I was racing for our challenge and W Series. So I was so busy that it was impossible for me to to keep working full-time. And yeah, with W Series and and some sponsors, I'm I'm able to to make my yeah dream or my passion become my job. Out of W Series, I hope that I can continue can continue this journey and become a yeah even better driver. I would say, like next step, of course, Formula Racing. It's gonna be really tough, just like financially, because W Series is is putting all the financials in. I have a background in GT racing. So yeah, this year I also competed in the 24 hours of Nürburgring. So I would love to to keep doing or keep going in in that direction as well in the future. But yeah, I would say for for this, hopefully also next season, we're going to stick to some formula racing.
And have you got any more endurance races this year or is it was it just those that you're limiting yourself to? For this season, I'm done with the endurance racing. I have one more guest start planned, which I'm going to announce hopefully very soon. But apart from that, the focus is, is definitely on W Series. We have some quite busy months coming up with like Singapore and then the double header in, in Austin and Mexico. But yeah, for next season, I'm, I'm already working hard to, to be back on in the Nürburgring 24-hour race again. Elise, you want to carry on with the questioning? You mentioned Ferrari Challenge there, and you've been a Ferrari fan for, from what seems quite a long time. So how special was it to get to drive in the Ferrari Challenge against all these other Ferrari races? How cool was that? That was just unbelievable. Like I've been a Ferrari fan all my all my life. Even my little Bobby car when I was like a, a child had like a, it was red and had a Ferrari sticker on it. And <laughs> yeah, then of course getting getting asked by the Swiss Ferrari team, obtain 126 if I if I want to compete for them, it was just yeah, unbelievable. And then yeah, when I won the Ferrari Challenge World Finals in Monza, like it was so crazy. I had like all my friends and family there because Monza is more or less the closest track from from home. Yeah, it was just just unbelievable. And from from that moment onwards, my career just kept going and going. And yeah, even still, like now, like I've watched Formula One, I've watched Ferrari all my life, and. And now being on the same race week and seeing the drivers meeting them, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. It feels surreal. And obviously, you spent a, a quite a while in carts, but what, what? How did you find the graduation from carts to cars? And was that a difficult transition from going from the carts to to, to the bigger things, the bigger tracks? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's it's quite a step from from go karting to to Formula cars. The last two years, I was driving shifter cars, so KZ two. So physically and everything, it was was quite quite tough but it was still a big step to, to Formula 4. In the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I struggled. I had to train very hard in, in the gym to be physically able to, to drive the cars. But then, like, continuing the season, like, I got better and better. And in the end, I think my best finish was even P11 in, in Monza as well. And, yeah, of course, then I, I made the switch to, to TT cars just because of financial reasons and that that's of course like a bit easier just in terms of like physical as we got like abs and then power steering yeah when it got back into the formula 3 car of course i called my personal trainer and said like <laughs> we need to keep training because i need to have like a really strong max strong upper body i think that's the biggest like misconception of, of people thinking that motor racing is not a actual sport because yeah Driving an F3 car in like 30 degrees Celsius for like half an hour is quite, quite some work. I imagine quite a good diet regime though, but you probably lose quite a bit of weight when you're in the car itself. Yeah, definitely. I think like staying hydrated is very important during a race weekend. We've been to some really hot places and I think the hottest one is just coming up with Singapore. We probably expect like 30 degrees or, or over even 30 degrees and like 80% humidity. So I think it's important that we, we drink a lot and yeah, keep keep hydrated during during the weekend. So when you said earlier you're a German speaker and when W Series started, you were sporting DTM. So how was that? Because DTM is more GT cars than it used to be as well. Yeah, I, I love DTM. I mean, it's the German Touring Car Championship. And for me, as the only German-speaking driver, it was, it was great. I got a lot of media attendance, a lot of interviews. And 
Yeah, I used to race also alongside TTM when I did the Audi TT Cup back in 2017. So yeah, a lot of familiar race track, a lot of familiar faces. And yeah, also like now I, I still follow DTM closely. I have a lot of like racing friends that are racing in that series. So yeah, maybe that would also be something for the future. And obviously supporting DTM initially with W Series, but now obviously supporting Formula One. Have you met any of your, your favorite drivers that you've looked up, looked up <laughs> through all your life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're, we're so close to Formula One and we, yeah, we just had, we had quite some like stuff together with them or yeah, you just bump into them randomly in restaurants or in the city. And I must say they're very supportive, very friendly. Lewis Hamilton even like showed up in our paddock in, in Hungary just right after a practice session, suddenly he stood in our paddock and said, like, I want to talk to you girls. And I think that's something like amazing to, to see that they really care. They really follow it and they're, they're supportive of the series. And you're getting bigger and bigger with Caitlyn Jenner coming in, uh, getting a team as well. It must put a bigger spotlight on the sport. Being a support race for Formula One also, the audiences just seem to be flocking and flocking to the sport. And, and rightfully so, it, it provides some great entertainment do you think you're going to be in a different team next year or are you going to stay with court dow again yeah i mean w series like it, it's crazy how how it went from like day one to like up to today like the media the fans like being with formula one like it's it's just been so great we're growing and growing and i'm, I'm so happy to be to be part of it and yeah, regarding my team, Cordell, I honestly, I couldn't be happier. Michael, our team boss, he's so supportive. We do a lot of activities with them. We do a lot with the fans. So if they want to keep me for next season, I would be very happy to, to sign again. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what about the rest of this year then? So Singapore, obviously, we've got the race coming up in three weeks time. Are you expecting to do well? Is it a track that you've studied on simulators and that sort of thing to, to get ready for the weekend? Yes, definitely. Like, I'm really looking forward to Singapore. It's going to be my first race in, in Asia. And it's going to be yeah, our home Grand Prix for, for Kurt Dao. So I've, I spent a lot of time in the simulator. <laughs> I mean, we had a long summer break. So yeah, I and also like a track like Singapore, I think everyone starts more or less from zero. So the better you prepare yourself, the the better you're going to be in the end. It's going to be crucial to use the practice time and then qualify well because it's a very tight circuit. The walls are really close, very mm. fast. And yeah, so it's going to be, should be interesting. And out of all the tracks that you've been to, which one's been your favorite so far? And then also conversely, what would be your favorite to go to that you don't already go to? So my favorite track out of all of them is Imola. So yeah, I had my first Ferrari win there. I love Italy and yeah, it would just be great if we could add that for, for next season. My favorite on this year's calendar is Silverstone. I just love high speed tracks and <laughs> British crowd. Like I'm not going to lie, it's, it's, it's so cool to, to, to race there. For next season, I would also like to go to Australia. Uh, I've studied English there some years ago, so it would be cool to, to visit Down Under again. How, how many tracks are they going to add? Are they going to make it a big season? Like, you know, are we going to get 18 races in the W Series eventually? <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, we've <laughs> grown so much. Year one, we had six races. Last year, we had eight. This year, we had 10. So fingers crossed that we're going to have 12 next year. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Elise? If we take you back to May when you were doing the 24 hours of Nürburgring, 
did you do any stints at night? And Singapore, I'm not sure if W Series is racing at night as well, but if if you are, is, do you think that's prepared you more for it than maybe some drivers who have never driven in the dark before? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Nürburgring, I think that night stint is probably, or was probably the toughest one I've did in my entire life. I've done a double stint from 12 until 2, 2 o'clock in the night. And everyone who's been at the Nürburgring Nordschleife before knows that it's going through the forest. It's peach black. And yeah, so I think Singapore, even though they say it's a night race, I think it's still pretty, pretty good lights there. So yeah, I mean, W Series, we're also going to race in fairly in the night, probably just before Formula One. So yeah, hopefully Nürburgring prepared me well for that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Nürburgring is difficult during the daytime. So at nighttime, it just must have been a, a whole different experience. Yeah, definitely. Like, that was really insane. Like, I did a double stint during the night and the last two laps, I felt like I'm going to die. I Like, I got out of the car and got out and I just kind of like collapsed because I was so dehydrated. I didn't have a drinking system in the car. Yeah, so yeah, I just got out and I first had to just like lay down get some like salt and sugar and like get my system running again. If you could have design your dream team to drive with in an endurance race, who would you choose to, to partner alongside? Oh God, that's a tough one. I would actually love to see a W Series endurance team. Oh my God, who will I choose? So I would <laughs> definitely choose Jamie because I'm very good friends with her and she's quick. I would also have to choose my racing bestie, which is Naomi Schiff. So I would nice. meet her in the car as well. She also has the Nürburgring license, so that would also work. And then I would choose Beitzke Visser because, yeah, we also get along and she's she's pretty fast. Absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's a good team. And it's good to stick with the W Series as well. Probably shows, obviously, the relationship course, you do have like with everyone. <laughs> female power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. W Series is done virtual, the mom. They could do the real one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And how about the Formula One season as it is as it stands then this year? Have you been obviously paying close attention to it, being that you're you're in the paddock next to them? Yeah, I think it's been a very exciting season. I think with the new cars, like the racing got so much like closer, more exciting. Of course, I had quite some heartbreaks this season because as I mentioned before, I'm a I'm a Ferrari fan. And yeah, I think they did they get good this this weekend in Monza. But yeah, I think Max is a bit too strong for them at the moment. Yeah, I'm also cheering for George Russell. I think he, he did amazing so far this season. And yeah, so I think it's going to be exciting to see how the rest gonna going to end. Yeah, I can't imagine Max is going to lose it at this point. I think he can not turn up to the next four races and still pull out the victory for the championship. But Ferrari have got a brilliant car. It's just a shame they've had a bit of bad luck and also bad choices throughout the, throughout the season. Yeah, well, I, I believe in them that they can like still turn it around and in Singapore, hopefully, when W Series is back for, <laughs> for Lucky Charms. Yeah, no, I, I really hope that they, like that Max not going to win like immediately, that Kant is like still strong and exciting. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope the Ferrari team kind of back him into a corner and maybe maybe let's hope for some unreliability and we don't like to hope for that sort of thing but it's what we <laughs> need at this point in the season isn't it yeah. uh, so and if you had to pick a competitor to, to go against in the formula one championship who would be your ideal person to race against if it was like a, a two-person race so you against one of the others who would you enjoy racing against the most out of the formula one crew 
I mean, I, I race against some of the boys back in karting days because, yeah, a lot of them are similar age. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I don't want to pick a too good one. I want to win, right? Maybe George Russell. I think he's a good good fighter, but fair. Mm. Yeah, would be cool to win against him. Did, did you race against him previously or was he one of the, is he one of the older ones now? I think he's my age. I'm not sure if we really did some some racing against each other. I mean, I did some international races, but I still had to finish school and everything. So I wasn't allowed to do all, all the fun races. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for coming to chat to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak to you. What can we expect from Fabian Warwend this year? Are you going to get on that podium in the last three races? Do you think we're going to see you up there on the podium? Yes, definitely. Like last season, my first half of the season was strong. Now this year, the second half of the season is going to be strong. Now I was working very hard now in the summer break. I'm very confident you know, that, that we're going to be back up there. My W Series win is still missing. So yeah, hopefully we, we can get it turned around for the last four races. Yeah, we're going to have two races in Mexico. We're all looking forward to seeing what you can do on the on the W Series and in your car. Uh, fingers crossed for you. We'd like, we want to see you up there on the podium. And if not on the podium, on the top step of that podium as well. So good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much for coming to speak to us today. If you want to promote anything while you're here, like your socials or anything like that, do you want to give a kind of shout out to our fans and where they can find you? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on the show today. Make sure you keep your fingers crossed for number five and make sure you follow W Series and myself, Fabienne Volvend, on social media. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. It's been wonderful speaking to you. So that was our Monza Grand Prix review, plus all the news from around the F2, F3 champions and, of course, the Indy champions too. Thank you very much for coming to chat to us today. Chris, you've been here three times now. You're pretty regular on the pod. Can't get rid of me. I know. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, though. No, it's been really good. Thank you for having me. No, no problem at all. Whenever you want to come back, we will be happy to have you. Although we've got quite a few busy, busy weeks ahead, so it might have to be towards the end of the season if you're free. We'd love to. We'd love to come back. Cool. We've also had Emma as part of the pod. Thanks very much for chatting to us today, Emma. Yeah, thank you for having me on. No problem at all. And Coops, thanks a lot. Thank you. Cheers. You ginger Viking. I've been James Tiller. This has been the Everything F1 podcast. Come and listen to us next week where we interview... Who are we interviewing next week, Emma? Frederick Vasti. Ah, there we go. So it's, it's one that you're not going to want to miss. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.